We continue this morning in our One Another series. And we read another scripture. This one is found in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. And I will ask you for the last time until communion to please stand as we read together God's word. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Hide me behind the cross, Lord. Articulate your heart through my voice to your people. Let the transformation of our lives be wrought thoroughly by the Holy Spirit in response to your truth. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to remind you again today of our vision of what one anothering means. If we want to be like Jesus, how many of you want to be like Jesus? Good. Good, good. Almost unanimous. That's good. We have to do life the way Jesus did. For our series, we have been exploring how we can do that by taking care of or being a part of one another's lives and how we can come alongside each other to help with that. So we have been talking about how we give whatever we're learning about. Today, that's love. How we can receive whatever we were talking about. And how Jesus was or gave us an example. So last week, we talked about discipling one another and how it is our responsibility to both hear and give warning to each other, but always with a covering of grace and forgiveness. Discipling one another is about helping each of us to reflect Christ more completely wherever we are. We have to be salt and light, not just to the world, but to each other as well. Two weeks ago, we talked about caring for one another and the way in which Jesus models one another in grief and illness throughout the gospel, but in particular through the verse from Lazarus' resurrection that describes his powerful grief. Jesus wept. We studied encouraging one another the week before that, and we talked about how it is that we can have victory no matter what we're going through in the middle of our lives. But today's message is really the pivot point for all of the other one another messages. Some people who would preach a series on this would start from this place, and the reason that I didn't is because I wanted us to get here sort of through 
a series of messages that kind of helped us understand what loving one another would look like. Love one another, Peter says. Love one another deeply. All of the things that we've talked about before hinge on loving one another. You can't encourage someone that you don't love. You can't disciple someone that you don't love. Oh, let me rephrase that. You can do those things, but you're not going to do them well unless you start from a place of love. But I wanted us to understand some of what we do with that love before we even got to the place where we could talk about love. Paul tells us in Ephesians that we should be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And he says that we do that just because Christ in God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Everything we do in the process of becoming like Christ is based on these verses. The idea that God loved us, gave Christ for us, and that Christ gave himself for us because he loved us. And so it is that because of God's love for us, because of Christ's love for us, that we love each other. Peter gives us some insight into what that looks like, using our gifts for one another, for the glory of God. Paul says, be kind and compassionate, forgive, walk in the way of love, even if it is a sacrifice. So I've said the word love a bunch of different times here in this message. And love in a relationship is always a big deal. It's always something you get to. It's not something you start from. If you've ever watched a TV sitcom or a movie, you've seen those scenes where the guy is on the phone with some girl and he goes, I love you. And then he panics because she doesn't say it back. Because they haven't really gotten there from her point of view. And he's not even sure that they've gotten there, but he wants to put that out there. And she sputters and... Mm, or the girl says it on the first date. And everybody freaks out because obviously she doesn't mean it. But it smells like commitment way too early in the relationship. I mean, first date, really? But you see, that's because the way that the world understands love is that it has to be something that you grow into, and it has to be something that's reciprocated. It has to be something that's both ways. The thing about how God views love is that love is a one-way street sometimes. Love for a God is an unconditional love. It's a love that doesn't say, if you do this, then I'll love you. It says, I love you.
Romans says, while we were yet sinners, God proved his love for us in this. Christ gave his life for us. Before we could do anything for God, before we even looked like anything God would want to have, God gave. God loved. In spite of who we were. And so, being a Jesus follower turns even the idea of love Something everybody knows on its head. Because Jesus expects us to love the same way he loves us. He expects us to love others. He expects us to love each other in this room. He expects us to love our enemies. Jesus expects us to think about love first. Not after some period of time. And Jesus doesn't ask us to do this without supernatural empowerment either. So let me be clear here. You can't love like this on your own. Under your own power. Heck, I don't even love my family half the time under my own power. It's supernatural. I need Jesus to help me love everybody. But thanks be to God, that's what he does. The Holy Spirit infuses us and gives us the power to do what we couldn't do ourselves. I mean, have you seen other people? They don't look like me. They don't have my work ethic. They don't talk like me. They don't believe the same things I do. They didn't vote for who I voted for. They didn't stand for the national anthem. They didn't kneel for the national anthem. They like guns. They hate guns. They aren't like me. Jesus says, love them anyway. That's hard. Jesus gives us an example of this in the Gospels. Right after this conversation in Matthew, in other Gospels, he tells a story about a man who gets beaten and robbed and left for dead on the side of the road. He describes all the really good people who passed him by. The pastor, she walks by and passes him without a second glance. Uh, She has a sermon to write. She's got to get going. The choir director, he passes by because he's late for choir practice. That's way more important than helping this guy on the side of the road. The one who stops? The Muslim owner of the 7-Eleven from another town. He puts the man in the back of his SUV and drives into the hospital and even pays his bill. Okay, Jesus didn't tell the story exactly that way. In many respects, the story was even more powerful to the people that he did tell it to and the way that he did tell it because he told them that a Samaritan, a dirty, filthy, awful Samaritan, Jews wouldn't just cross the street not to come in contact with a Samaritan. They would back away, unclean, 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 warning everyone else around them 
that there was a Samaritan in the path. Where Galilee was, where Jesus spent a lot of his time, and Jerusalem were, in between was this land of Samaria, where the Samaritans lived. Now, the easiest way to get from Galilee to Jerusalem was to walk right down the middle. If you walked around, you had to climb some mountains, or you had to go on the Sea of Galilee. You had to take a boat. Either way, it was inconvenient and added several hours, if not days, to your journey. Every single Jewish male or female in those communities would do either of those things rather than walk straight across. Because they wouldn't even want their feet to touch the dirt where a Samaritan had been. And so Jesus tells this story about this guy who gets beat up and robbed and left at the side of the road for dead. Think about that for a minute. Picture that in your head. This is not somebody who's just like, you know, passed out. They have open wounds. They're bleeding. And the priest walks by and is like, nope. I can't, I, I can't deal with that. Mainly because if the priest touches this person... Now they're going to be unclean. They have to go through some ceremonial things to take care of it. So it's a lot of work for them. So they, they can't, mm -mm, nope, mm -mm, not going not gonna to happen. So the Levite comes by. The Levite is similar position as the priest. They have to be clean so that they can work in the temple, and if they're not clean, they can't work in the temple, which means they have to spend time outside of the city and all kinds of things they have to do in order to get clean. And then here comes this dirty, filthy, rotten Samaritan. Everything about this person is anathema to who the Jewish people are. They don't like them. They don't want anything to do with them. And this is the person that Jesus says, go be like that guy. So when they say that, when he says that, they're freaking out. They're like, no. <laughs> you, you don't really mean that, Jesus. But you see, Jesus started that parable by saying, love your neighbor as yourself, which is one of the greatest commandments, because he started with, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your strength, your mind, and your soul. You see, you can't love your neighbor as yourself unless you first love God, because that's where you get the power to love your neighbor as yourself. And let me remind you, There's a premise there that says you love yourself. Now, I'm not a big self-esteem person or getting off into some kind of, uh, you know, self-idealization kind of thing. But I'm going to tell you this. 
If you're sitting here today and you don't love yourself, you're disobeying a command. Because Jesus has asked us to love ourselves even the way he loves us. Now that doesn't mean that you get to walk in here next Sunday and be like, oh yeah, pretty awesome. I barely even need this place. Prayer is sort of a, you know, I do it as a favor for God. That's not what I'm saying. Don't let self-love turn into pride over who you are. I'm saying care for yourself. You have value. You have worth because God loves you. And that value, that worth, doesn't change because of something you do or something you are. You are important to God. So when you get that right, then you can love other people the same way you love yourself. You see, Jesus took it very seriously to say that we should love our neighbor. And if we should love the ones who are outside of our fellowship with such a sacrificial and giving kindness, how much more should we love those with whom we celebrate the unity of faith? Look around this room this morning. Notice how very different we are. The different places that we come from, the different political beliefs we probably hold. I'm not going to ask about those. Please don't talk about them. The different ideas we have about all kinds of things. The different sports teams we like. The differences between us are probably really, really big. What keeps us here together is Jesus. We are connected by the blood and body of Christ. This thing that we do, that we've been doing every week as a part of our series on one anothering, that's what connects us. The table. It's a place we come together to live our lives separately, but connected to Jesus. We're to give to one another, to share what we have, to love one another deeply, to allow that love to color everything we do and everything we say to each other. And we not only give that love to one another, but we receive that love from one another. And we can do it only because we have first loved God so much that we cannot help but do this. Because it is what God asks of us. Because it is how God treats us. And because as the Holy Spirit works in us, it becomes more and more how we have to live. This week, pay attention to who you love. To how you love them. Give yourself over to the idea of loving someone who is unkind to you. Loving someone who has wronged you, 
Loving someone who is really hard to love. Think about what it would look like to love someone here in this congregation. How does loving one another in this room, in this place, among this family work on a regular basis? Someone asked me this morning, just this morning, what the future of this church is. And I'm going to tell you that as long as we love Jesus here and we love each other here and we continue to grow in grace, then we should be here. Because we should be here so we can be out there. So we can be in the world so we can be in the communities around us. So we can be talking to people. We can be telling people about Jesus. And how who he is changes everything about us. And if we're doing that, that's the reason we're here. And we have no reason to not be here. Can we be Christ-like enough to love each other the way Christ loves us? Lord, hear our prayer. We're celebrating communion every week during our series on one anothering. Because it is through breaking bread together, as I said, at the table of Christ, that we see most clearly our unity through him.
but we do not live as we ought. We do not love you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We do not love our neighbor as ourselves. So we pray in all humility that you will change our hearts and minds, that you will show us again how to love others the way you love us, that you will put power and courage in our hearts to do your will. We gather at this your table in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who by your Spirit was anointed to preach good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, set at liberty those who are oppressed. Christ healed the sick, fed the hungry, ate with sinners, and established the new covenant for forgiveness of sins, and we live in the hope of his coming again. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we gather as the body of Christ to offer ourselves to you, Lord, in praise and thanksgiving. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these your gifts. Make them by the power of your Spirit to be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one in Christ, one with each other, and one in the ministry of Christ to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory. I would ask you to stand. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come forward. Before I do that, we're going to um, we're going to bless the bread and the and the cup. May it preserve you blameless into everlasting life. This is the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, shed for you. May it preserve you blameless into everlasting life. I'll ask you to come and to receive the elements. You would come out with your hands like this so that you can receive.
who have duly received these holy mysteries with the spiritual food of the body and blood of our Savior Jesus Christ. By this you assure us of your favor and goodness towards us. We are incorporated into the mystical body of your Son, the blessed company of all faithful people. We are heirs through hope of your everlasting kingdom. By the merits of Christ's precious death and passion, assist us with your grace, Heavenly Father, that we may continue in that holy fellowship and walk in goodness the way you have prepared for us, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom, with you and the Holy Spirit, be all honor and glory now and forever. Please stand. Open your hands and hearts to receive the benediction. May the presence of Christ that you have known today be with you through the rest of the week. May you always recognize the abundance of God's grace, love, and mercy in your life and thankfully and joyfully spend it on those around you who need it most. May you never forget that you are loved, and because he loved you, you can love those around you. You have been to church, now go be the church. Amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>